Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in to Talks with Tatiana. On today's episode, in honor of Black History Month, I will be discussing the history of Black hair. I will also be discussing the life and legacy of the first female self-made millionaire in America who also made hair products for Black people, Madam C.J. Walker. So I knew for sure I would do an episode regarding hair and Black culture because it's such an important part of our culture. And many years ago, um, when I was like in middle school, um, when I learned about Madam C.J. Walker, I did a history fair project on her. And I always felt inspired by her story and the mark that she left in history. And so I feel like it is also just important to highlight her as being the first female self-made millionaire in America because oftentimes like when we hear about famous millionaires and billionaires and trillionaires and stuff um, oftentimes it is associated with white men like Bill Gates or a white woman like Kylie Jenner so it's important to recognize the real history by talking about Madam C.J. Walker and what better way to include her in an episode than talking about the history of black hair as well. So I will discuss just a little bit of like the history of black hair first um, and then like towards the second half of this segment I'll talk a little more about Madam C.J. Walker and like her life and legacy. So we'll start from like around the 1400s. So in 1440, like African women, they made all types of amazing and beautiful hairstyles. Now black hair, like it varies in many textures. So these women were making these hairstyles out of like kinky hair and straight and flowy hair, loose curl hair, like pretty much any texture. And back then, black people's hairstyles would indicate a person background, tribe, and or their social status, Um, which actually in African culture to help identify a person's background, tribe, and social status, I recently learned that they would often use what was known as the pencil test. And so I know many people are familiar with the brown paper bag test, which was used on black people to see if like your skin tone was darker than the brown paper bag, which of course like that roots back to colorism and racism. But many people don't know about the pencil test, which was new to me for sure. And um, basically what would happen is if a person had Afro textured hair, a pencil was pushed in their hair. And if the pencil easily fell out to them that meant that your hair was good but if the pencil got stuck to them that meant your hair was bad and like considered what they would call nappy so that was like another way for the Africans to use hairstyles to see like what tribe or social status that you belonged in so then um yeah when the Europeans arrived on African land they were not pleased or use or I guess used to seeing the various hairstyles that the African women had um such as like dreads and braids and twists like those type of hairstyles were very foreign and like considered exotic to them um to the Europeans um and so because Europeans they were just kind of used to their hairstyles which was usually just like straight and like flowy 
So then if you move on to the early 1500s, that's when the slave ships came from Europe to Africa, which is also known as the transatlantic slave trade. Um, and so as the 1500s carried on, for those slaves who hadn't been caught yet, they still continued to do the African hairstyles, which was very important because again, it showcased their background, tribe, and or social status. Then in the 1600s, while the slaves were on the slave ships during their three-month journey to Jamestown, when they finally arrived, their hair was matted and it was cut off. And so this is because they weren't able to keep up the maintenance of their hair on the ship and they were forced to have it cut off, which is awful because they worked so hard to create these hairstyles and to grow their hair out. So then when slaves made it to America in the early 1600s, by 1619, the first slaves that were brought to Jamestown pretty much started to lose everything they worked so hard to create. They lost their African language, their culture, and their grooming traditions. And so then as we move on to the 1700s, white people they continuously dehumanized slaves including calling their black hair wool and then in 1789 the tigan law was passed in louisiana which forced black black women specifically um to cover their hair with fabric in public so then during the year of the 1800s, um, Black people didn't have the items that they had in their homeland of Africa to keep up with their hair, such as like combs and herbal treatments. So they had to work with what they had. And so the slaves would use things like baking grease and butter as like their hair conditioners and cleaners. And by 1865, that's when slavery had came to an end, but Black women's hairstyles were still seen as an issue. So in order to fit the standards of like the European white people society, many Black women, they would style their hair to have the same look as white people. And white people would only care about or respect the Black women whose hair was like theirs. So this is why by like 1880, the hot combs became available and popular in the U.S. Now, for those of y'all that don't know what the hot comb is, that thing is not a choke. Um, hot combs are very much still around. And when I was younger, getting my hair hot combed was awful. Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm having flashbacks. Like, no, the hot comb was not it. But anyways, a hot comb is this comb that gets heated um, a lot of the times on like a stove. And it was used to press and temporarily straighten out kinky hair which is what most black people had um and still have so it just temporarily straightens it out and that look would give black women more of that straight silky look to satisfy white society and so then by the 1900s, that's when there were many Black leaders that helped the movement of Black hair, such as Madam C.J. Walker, Marcus Garvey, and George E. Johnson. Um, in the early 1900s, Madam C.J. Walker, she developed hair care products made specifically for Black hair of all textures. Um, in the 1920s, Marcus Garvey, who was a Black nationalist, um, he would preach to his followers and he would convince them to embrace their natural hair so that they could reclaim the African traditions and aesthetics that were once there but then taken from us. 
1954, George E. Johnson released the Johnson Products Company with Ultra Wave Hair Culture, which was a permanent hair straightener product for men. And then eventually a women's one was made as well. And so that's now known as a perm, which um, I will get into like a little bit later on in this episode. Um, and so then in 1977, a black hairstyle known as the Jerry Curl became extremely popular in the black hair culture. Um, Michael Jackson, he is an example of someone um, famous in black who wore that hairstyle a lot. And it was seen as a curly perm for black people and its popularity lasted through the 1980s. Then in the 1990s, with weave and hair extensions becoming popular, many Black people began to wear that and natural Black hairstyles and dreads and braids were starting to become more widely accepted. Um, so then by the 2000s, like in 2006, Black hair care had turned into a billion dollar industry. Um, in 2008, there was a surge in the natural hair movement. And there was also just a full circle moment um, as far as like wigs, because wigs were only used by like older people. But now in the black community, so many black women are wearing wigs because they've evolved to look more young and appealing than the older time wigs that we were used to. And also back in the day, black women wore natural hair, but then when weave got introduced, that became the new thing for us to wear, which could still tie back into trying to create that silky straight look even though there is a ton of weave now that's curly and crinkly and wavy and just so many different styles and like I mentioned now in recent years natural hair is coming back to popularity um, black people are even becoming more cautious of perming or relaxing their hair and they would rather not um, have those chemicals in their hair they'd rather it be natural um, I know a lot of the time there are people who judge black women for wearing weave and they automatically assume it's because they don't have long hair. But oftentimes though, like black women who wear weave have long natural hair, but they wear weave as a protective hairstyle because like wearing your natural hair as a black person can be complicated at times because if it rains, if it's foggy, anything like that, it will automatically frizz and shrink up versus if a person is wearing weave, that hair won't do all of that. And also when wearing weave, our real hair is braided up and kept under a wig cap, which can give it time to grow, which are reasons why wearing weave can be considered a protective protective style if it's installed in your hair properly and well taken care of. But it's very important though to let your natural hair breathe every now and then. Um, for me, I do have thick and long natural hair, but I am the worst <laughs> at taking care of my natural hair. So I wear weave a lot, but I leave time in between to let my real hair breathe. So like, for example, if I wear a weave for three months, once I get it taken out, I'll wear my natural hair for about two or three months um, after because I get 
I don't know, like I want to make sure that it just breathes. Um, and so I'll do that before I decide to get another weave hairstyle. Um, so I try to really keep it balanced in how much I wear weave and then how much I let my real hair just breathe for a second. Um, but my biggest suggestion is if you do take breaks in between, try to let your natural hair breathe during colder months, like winter time, because it'll be easier to, well, I guess like a little bit easier to maintain since there is less heat and humidity and all those like outside factors that will cause it to frizz up. But that's mainly for people who get their natural hair straightened. Like I do that, like I get my natural hair straightened versus just wearing it like poofy. Um, but like if you are the type that does like wash and goes and you just like let your hair remain in its complete natural state without straightening it then I don't really think it'll matter as much what time of the year you'll let your real hair breathe and then I mean of course there are some black people who just wear their natural hair all the time and rarely or never wear weave and that's fine too regardless of what you do with your hair as long as it's well taken care of like making sure it's washed and brushed out and using the right and healthy products you should be fine. Um, and I just hate how like society has tried to normalize discriminating against different black hairstyles. Um, just let people live their life like I just never understood how people can be bothered by how another person chooses to look in life I know for me I have had my own struggles I deal with and my own goals in life that I'm trying to achieve so I don't have time to police other people's life um but I guess some people thrive off of that but I have no idea why or how but just to finish off what I was saying about black hair in the 2000s and current times, black people are still getting discriminated for their hair. There have been plenty of incidents where black people have been kicked out of school for having dreads or acts to cut them off. Like I remember the story of the young black man in high school. Um, his name was Deon DeAndre Arnold and he was suspended for not cutting off his dreads. Um, or there are incidents where a black woman um, could be wearing her natural hair in a puff and they get in trouble for that. Um, and one of the worst is when people of other races think that they can just touch a black person's hair because they're intrigued by it and then they treat us kind of like a petting zoo or saying just slick comments like, oh, like, did your hair grow overnight? If one day, like, we come to work or school with natural hair and then the next day we have, like, weave in our hair. Like, just knowing full and well it's not possible for us to grow hair of that length overnight. Um, so, which all of this is just bizarre to me because our white counterparts are allowed to dye their hair rainbow color and wear spiky mohawks and stuff and no one really bats an eye. So, like, all Although we've made progression with black hair throughout history, I think when it comes to us as black people being accepted and respected, no matter what our hairstyle is, we still have a long way to go when it comes to that. 
And so with all of that being said, it brings me to my next point, which are the issues um, the Black community is still facing when it comes to our natural hair. But before I get into that, I want to talk about the difference between natural hair, perms, and a relaxer, and then the pros and cons of those. Um, and so this information about natural hair, perms, and relaxers comes from the website salonbrazil.com. So um, many people, they think perms and relaxers are the same, but they're not. And some people don't know what either one is. So the Salon Brazil website states that a perm is designated to create curl, waves, and texture that is not natural, whereas a relaxer is designed to straighten your curl pattern. So if you want your hair straight or to loosen your natural hair, relaxers are for that. Um, and then natural hair by definition means it hasn't been altered by chemical straighteners, including relaxers and texturizers. And natural hair usually ranges from wavy to kinky coily with a wide range of variation between the two. So this website says that some pros of having a perm or relaxer is um, it causes less knotting and tangles. It's faster to style since it's silky straight um, and it says straight it's straight regardless of humidity, wind, or rain. And then they said some cons of a perm or relaxer is the chemicals in them, like they weaken the hair, which increase the chance of regular breakage. Um, the chance of permanent damage to the scalp and hair is higher and it can become limp and it's easier to manage, but harder to maintain having healthy hair. They said some pros of natural hair is it's structurally stronger than relaxed hair. Um, it's stronger to fight regular breakage and shedding. It has more volume and bounce. It has versatility of styling, including straight and curly styles and wash and goes, twist outs, silk press, weaves, and protective styles. Um, so yes, now that this site mentioned some cons of natural hair, um, I wouldn't necessarily say that there are cons, um, but there are more so things that can make natural hair more timely. So the cons that they mentioned are, um, it can cause shrinkage and straightening is required to check how long your hair is. Um, and maintaining length on curly styles is harder. Um, knots and tangles can cause breakage during styling. It takes more time. Um, it's very time consuming, like prepping the hair the night before and completing the look in the morning requires more time than simply just combing it out like straight hair. Um, and then not to mention the time required for wash days and to check your length. And it's more expensive due to the price of natural hair products and extensive salon services. So natural hair, perms, and relaxers definitely have their own ups and downs. It's honestly just all down to preference. But now that I've gone through that, I will now point out the issues the Black community is still facing when it comes to our natural hair. So one of the biggest things, like I mentioned earlier, is the struggles Black people face at work and school when wearing their natural hair. Um, it has been seen as like ghetto, unkept, 
distracting, unprofessional, which is honestly just crazy to me because I know pretty much every school and job has something in their handbook that says they don't discriminate, but these are clear ways of showing discrimination. But there are laws being passed to help stop discriminating against black hair. And even the DeAndre Arnold case I was mentioning earlier, the judge in that case ruled that their hair policy at that school he went to was discriminatory. So I'm hoping laws and places really start to actually enforce these rules that people can't be discriminated because of wearing their natural hair. I know for me, I've definitely witnessed Black people getting discriminated all the time for their hair. Like I have a friend and he has dreads and he went to meet with a dean to talk about enrollment for their college. And he said like immediately the dean who was white, he immediately looked like uninterested and was just shocked at how well his grades were when he like showed him his transcript and stuff because he had already like judged him beforehand based off of how he looked and assumed he wouldn't have good grades um, and then I've definitely had my fair share of white people like they put their hands in my hair and even in school there would be times where white people would be like oh wow like what made you wear your hair flat which I guess they meant straightened and so yeah I definitely think more people need to be educated on their approach when it comes to black natural hair and I feel like if it was showcased more, like it would be seen more as normal and not such like a foreign thing um, where people feel like they can just discriminate us or say like off comments about it. Another issue is black hair, like I just mentioned, it's rarely represented like at all in films, on social media. Um, like I remember recently talking to a friend and she was like, have you ever noticed that in black cartoons and even just in black shows in general, a lot of the time, the little black girls are wearing natural hair, like in twists or braids, maybe with like some bows in it. But the grown black women in these shows are usually not wearing their natural hair. So that just shows that in society, little black girls wearing natural hair is okay and that's like normal. But by the time you're an adult, you should think about wearing weave. Like that's kind of the image that they give off. And that's not a good message to put out there. But with the evolution of social media and things like YouTube and TikTok and stuff, there have been more black women embracing their natural hair and showing how beautiful it looks and how to care for it, which is helping influence other black girls to do the same. So that's one good positive thing out of that. The more Black people um, are starting to learn about natural hair, I feel like the more they start to love it and realize there's nothing wrong with it and they begin to embrace it more. And lately, I definitely think there's been good representation of Black hair throughout some films and like a little bit through social media as well. Um, but I definitely think we can do better still. The next issue I want to address, which has definitely been a huge issue in this current generation, is cultural appropriation of black hair. So from dictionary.com, it states that cultural appropriation is the adoption or co-opting, usually without acknowledgement 
or cultural identity markers associated with or originating in minority communities by people or communities with a relatively privileged status. So honestly, I feel like Black culture in general, everything from our lingo to our music gets culturally appropriated all the time. But when it comes to influencers and celebrities um, culturally appropriating Black hair, it's just irritating because we're not a trend, like this is our culture. And usually these people have a huge platform. So that encourages a lot of their supporters to think it's okay to appropriate our culture as well. Um, and so like a white person wearing an afro or getting box braids as a hairstyle to me, like that's considered cultural appropriation because that's an afro textured hairstyle, which our ancestors had to get their hair cut off for wearing it. And now you're walking around wearing it like it's a trend. Like that's just definitely something that needs to stop. I think all of these things negatively affect many Black people's self-image and confidence. Like, our hair is a natural part of us, just like every other race. So it can be hard when people of another race deny you opportunities or respect because the natural hair you have is seen as inappropriate or distracting, or even having people question if it's your real hair or not. Like, it's so dehumanizing. And as a society, we have to do better. Not just other races, the Black community too. We can't just loosely use the word nappy to describe black hair or put black people down that have different textures of black hair because that only sets us further back and makes it seem appropriate for other people of like other races to treat us like that. And there are many black hair films to watch that just encourage loving your natural black hair um, for all that it is. And so some of those films are Matthew A. Cherry's Hair Love, Chris Rock's Good Hair, Sanai Lathan's Napoli Ever After. And there's even an episode that I recently watched on the sitcom Blackish that focused on black hair. Um, it's season six, episode 11, and all episodes of Blackish can be found on on Hulu. Um, the episodes also premiere on ABC Network and they do a lot of reruns of episodes on BET as well. And lastly, I just want to say, like, regardless of what society deems as perfect or deems as the proper beauty standards, keep loving your hair because it's a part of you. But even though it's a part of you and oftentimes many people feel like they are nothing without their hair and having the perfect hairstyle, you most definitely are still important and valuable no matter how your hair is or even if you shave it all off. Our hair doesn't define us and none of our outside features define us. It's about who we are on the inside. So now I want to get into talking about the life and legacy of Madam C.J. Walker because she left a major staple in Black culture when it comes to Black hair. So Madam C.J. Walker, she was born with the name Sarah Breedlove and she was born on December 23rd, 1867 on a plantation in Delta, Louisiana. She was the fifth child out of six children of former slaves who eventually became sharecroppers after the Civil War. And then she became an orphan when she was just seven years old and she ended up having to live with her older sister and they worked in the cotton fields together. 
And then at the age of 14, she married a man by the name of Moses McWilliams, and he ended up dying in 1887. Um, however, they had a child together before they died or before he died, and he died when their daughter was two years old. Um, and so she lived in poverty until in 1889 when she moved to St. Louis, Missouri, um, where her four brothers were working as barbers and she became a laundress and cook. And she eventually joined a church that was filled with educated and successful black men and women. And that was a part of her inspiration. And then in 1894, she got married again to a man named John Davis, but then they eventually divorced as well. Um, and then during the 1890s, Madam C.J. Walker developed a scalp disorder, which caused her to lose a lot of her hair. And so she began to experiment with home hair remedies and store-bought hair care treatments, such as the Great Wonderful Hair Grower, which was from a successful Black businesswoman named Annie Turnbow Malone to help treat her hair loss. Um, and so then a year later, she moved to Denver, Colorado, where she met and married Charles Joseph Walker, who was an ad man. And Charles Joseph Walker is the reason she named herself Madam C.J. Walker. Um, she used his initials and last name so she could have like a more, I guess, memorable name that people could like remember more and it would stand out more. And so... Um, she then launched her own line of hair products and straighteners for Black women titled Madam Walker's Wonderful Hair Grower. And she started this hair product line with only a dollar and 25 cents. Then in 1907, Madam C.J. Walker and her husband, they began to travel in areas in the South so they could promote her hair products. And she even gave demonstrations on how to do your hair with what she called the Walker method. And so that included showing Black women how to use her products, how to properly brush their hair, and like even how to properly use things such as the hot comb. Even though her husband helped her with advertisement, they eventually divorced in 1910 and she moved to Indianapolis and built a factory for her Walker Manufacturing Company. And so this company is when she really started becoming extremely successful and making a lot of profits, which is what made her the first female self-made millionaire. And her company manufactured her cosmetic products and it also trained sales beauticians and they would promote positive things about Madam C.J. Walker and the working conditions of the manufacturing company, which was helpful in promoting good and positive characteristics in the Black community and advancing their status. And so not only that, but she employed 40,000 Black people in the U.S., Central America, and the Caribbean. So she truly was helping Black people elevate to the next level in every aspect. And she even founded the National Negro Cosmetics Manufacturers Association in 1917. In 1918, about 20 miles north of New York City in the Hudson Valley, Madam C.J. Walker built a mansion called Villa Luaro, and it was designed by Vertnir Tandy, who was an accomplished and very successful Black architect. And so this mansion was a major gathering place for the leaders of the Harlem Renaissance, and it was officially designated a National Historic Landmark in 1976. 
Madam CJ Walker, she is so inspiring, but what I really admired about her is when she became extremely successful and wealthy, she didn't forget her humble beginnings. Like, she didn't forget about the Black community. She donated the largest amount of money by a Black person toward the construction of an of a YMCA in 1913 and she covered tuition for a few black students to attend college. She was active in the anti-lynching movement and she donated $5,000 to the NAACP. Madam C.J. Walker passed away on May 25th, 1919 when she was just 51 years old at that mansion. Um, but she of course did something else really amazing before she died and that was revising her will to make sure that two thirds of her future net profits were given to charity and making sure that thousands of dollars were donated to several students and schools. And then in 1981, the Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company stopped operating, but there is a line of cosmetics and hair care products that are named Madam C.J. Walker Beauty Culture, and it's available at Sephora retailers. And just last year in 2020, Netflix, they released a series titled Self Made, which is inspired by Madam C.J. Walker, and I definitely recommend it. It was a pretty good series to me. So thank you, Madam C.J. Walker, for the wonderful and impactful contributions you made for the Black community. And before I end this segment, I just wanted to name biography.com, womenshistory.org, nps.gov, thirstyroots.com, and naturallycurly.com for being the sources I used to help provide some of the information I discussed in this episode about the history of Black hair and Madam C.J. Walker's life and legacy. I also just want to say again, love your hair and do what makes you happy. Always believe in yourself because Madam C.J. Walker, she came from poverty, but she turned it around and became the first female self-made millionaire. So anything is possible as long as you put in the work and you never give up on yourself no matter how hard life gets. Now into the Let's Discuss segment. Just like the previous episodes, the Let's Discuss segments for Black History Month, I wanted to dedicate towards hidden figures that deserve to be highlighted. Um, so the Black woman I chose to highlight for this segment is Macy Jemison. Um, and I know the hidden figures I've been highlighting are Black women instead of men, but that's because as Black women, we face a double minority, which means double the discrimination. So I definitely want to be able to highlight those Black women who don't get the recognition they deserve, but I'm still very appreciative of all the Black men in history as well that made a positive impact. So Macy um, Jemison is the first Black female astronaut. In 1992, she flew into space in the space shuttle named Endeavour, and she spent more than a week orbiting Earth, making her the first Black woman to go into space. Um, she was the science mission specialist on the space shuttle, which meant she was responsible for conducting crew-related scientific experiments on the space shuttle, um, so such as experiments on motion sickness and being weightless, and she is still alive today. 
And this was so intriguing to me because I've always been fascinated with space and the planets and how they were created and stuff. So I think that's amazing that she accomplished such a task and had the bravery to even do it. And I feel like when we hear about anything space related, it's usually white men that are highlighted. So I definitely think that Macy Jemison um, should be highlighted more often as she made Black history and science history. And so my source on her is from biography.com. Now into the heart to heart segment. The Motivation Monday quote of the week was, your life is already artful, waiting, just waiting for you to make it art. This quote is from Toni Morrison, and she was an amazing and very talented Black essayist, book editor, award-winning author, and college professor. And she had a very creative writing style, which is why I loved this quote. In my senior year of high school, I had to read her book titled Beloved, and it was like pretty deep, and I would definitely recommend it. And it was a story that told the story of a family of former slaves whose house was haunted by the mother's deceased child. And it was a very interesting book to say the least. Now more about the quote, I chose this quote for this episode because it talks about embracing your natural self, not what society wants, and about how Madam C.J. Walker made something great out of her life, even though she came from poverty. And so for me, this quote shows that your life is already artful, meaning the potential is already there for you. You just have to take it upon yourself to make your art. You have to be the one to design your masterpiece. You have the creative control on how your life is. Your picture may not be perfect in the beginning like maybe you had a rough childhood but you can turn it around and make it something better and you can work with what you have so my main message with that quote is to use the canvas you were given for your life and use it wisely no one's story will ever be yours this painting this life journey this life story it's unique to specifically you no matter how society looks at you for the way you look and how your hair is or if you come from poverty or whatever your situation is just embrace who you are and make your own art use those splatter and splotches of paint from life that have been thrown at your canvas and use it to make your life better you are capable of conquering whatever you desire as long as you continue to hold on to your paintbrush and never let another person try to paint your story for you. That's all for today's episode of Talks with Tatiana. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Talks with Tatiana underscore, on Facebook at Talks with Tatiana, and on Twitter at Talk with Tatiana without the S after talk. Please stay tuned for the more Black History related month episodes I have in store for the rest of the month and continue to look for more Black History facts and highlights of underrecognized Black historical figures on my podcast social media pages. Turn on your post notifications and please please leave ratings, reviews, and share with your friends. Until next time, remember, stay open, stay kind, and keep fighting the good fight.